This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right. Hey, you're back. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Hi, Phil. I'm going to do four to six o'clock most days just for people who are probably still wondering yeah. why is why is it the Mackie and Judd show and Mackie's not around for 100% of it. And we also, as I said at the top of the show as well, there there are more announcements to come. I just think we should preach to, to the people because we keep getting yeah. notes about you can't carry this program. There's more to come. In fact, we should do a rank them. What are the five biggest complaints we've received here in the, the month of changes being announced? Uh, I think number one is you know, where's Garage Logic? I'll give you my five. And Garage Logic is Garage Can I give you my Logic. personal five. Go ahead. Will Will Kane is my my top one. <laughs> two, two, two to us is is my top. You one. don't see eye to eye with Will Kane, I'm guessing. Um, no, no, we don't see eye to eye. Um, I actually I love the Dan Levitard show. I, agree. I do. I do too. I, yeah. I, I do miss being able to talk with our audience in that time slot. Yes. But yeah, like you said, we are going to have. This isn't our end game. What you see on 1500 ESPN and what you hear is not our end game or what you see on the website or our digital properties. We will have more to come. And mm-hmm. I wish we could continue speaking more, but we can't. So Soon enough. But we, but we will, and we're excited to. Patience. It's hard. It's hard to employ, but patience. Yes. Okay, can one of you guys please uh, give me and the audience, again, the Bill Belichick coaching tree? <laughs> Just like a quick summation. Because I, I heard you guys talking about this in the prep room beforehand, and I have a couple Manny, thoughts go, on it. Go I'll, ahead, just, I'll just run right through it. <laughs> Charlie Weiss. And Phil, you're a Notre Dame guy, so you remember in Charlie Weiss. Uh, I think they might still be paying him, actually. <laughs> 41 and 49 in uh, combined with Notre Dame and Kansas, 35 and 27 with the Irish, and uh, 6 and 22 with the uh, Jayhawks, who are who have been a complete dumpster fire as of a program ever since they fired yeah. Mark Mangino. Yeah, that's not very good. Yeah, um, Josh McDaniels. 11 and 17 in two seasons with the Denver Broncos. He drafted Tim Tebow. That was a complete train wreck. Romeo Cornell, who I like as like a guy. So he's a nice guy, but he's a nice guy, saying? but uh, 28 and 55 combined with the uh, Browns and Chiefs. And uh, Eric Mangini, 33 and 47 with the Jets and Browns. And of course, Matt Patricia was just. Matt blown out of the water last night. I'm actually, I was telling Judd before we cracked the mics here, I know it's the Lions, and you know, the Lions have been a lot better the last several years. They're not the embarrassing franchise that they once were. I was shocked at what happened in that game against that team. So Especially here, when Sam Darnold throws the first pass of the game and it's a pick six. Right, exactly. And you're thinking, oh my God, the Jets are going to get destroyed, and then it was the other way around. It was the classic... Cross your body, across your body, across the field throw to the no, no, <laughs> no doing? throw. So, so hearing that list of coaches under Bill Belichick, how is it possible that that many people can be around greatness for that long, for stretches of five years, 10 years, right? And not soak any of it in. I know. How is that possible? No, see, I think, <laughs> all right. I think Belichick is such a football savant and genius. That that mere mortals who work for him, and by the way, are probably very smart people assistant-wise, I think they see the strategies he employs and, and his approach to people, and they try and use that, but only he can use it. 
So I think they're soaking it in. I think, but I think when they try and do the same thing, it fall it falls absolutely flat. Especially in 2018, where your approach to the modern day athlete has to be different. But he can't even graduate a Brad Childress who pops no. up and goes to the NFC Championship game with a team. So I, I, to make a dumb analogy, if Bill Belichick is the Steve Jobs of football coaches, right? You're not even asking the Steve Jobs protege to build another Apple. Can you just run a grocery store? Can you run? Can you run the Lions? Can you run the Browns? And apparently the answer is no. That nobody soaks up enough. And maybe Judd's theory is right that he just operates on a different wavelength, and you can't pick it up. He does. But it's it's ridiculous. The guy's been around for twenty years, and is there even one single branch off of his coaching tree that you would look at and say, "Oh, that right there." Yes. The only one I could think of was, at least on the college level, was Saban. And that goes back to the early That goes 90s. back to the 90s with the Browns. And, and that was more born, if I'm not mistaken, from the Parcells tree, right? Because Saban, I think, was on that staff or, or was part of that. With the Giants? And then, and then Belichick, Belichick hired him for that first Brown staff. The point being is that goes back so far. But, like, why hasn't there, why can't, you know, like Charlie Weiss. Josh McDaniels, somebody. Josh McDaniels. I was so excited about. As a Notre Dame fan, I was so excited about Charlie Weiss when Notre Dame was playing USC, and then the Bush push thing happened. Mm-hmm. And Josh McDaniels. I mean, my God, the lasting memories of that guy in the first round. are going to be that, that, and him <laughs> taking the Colts job and then bailing on that. Okay, am I nuts to say I still would hire? I'd hire Josh McDaniel. Just I'm curious about Josh McDaniels. Think maybe he's learned his lesson. From Denver? No, I would not. You would? No, I'm not. No. I'm curious. No, the Belichick tree See, scares me too I, much. I would have. This what, what happened with the Colts is what scares me with Josh McDaniels, though. Because at, at, at first, before that, I would have thought, okay, maybe he learned the second stint with the Patriots, and then maybe he learned from his Broncos disaster. But after what happened with Indianapolis, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. I wouldn't touch him. I don't trust him. Phil, as you said, there's nobody out there. Like there's nothing from that tree yeah. that has gone on to success, and and the other problem is Brad Childress has a more successful coaching tree because of Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin. Yes. than Bill Belichick does. <laughs> yes, Brad soak that in. Brad Childress has a more successful coaching tree beneath him than Bill Belichick. And I told Manny this in the first hour. Brad's another guy who, while he didn't come from the Belichick uh, assistant tree. Is a guy who came here in 06 with the idea that I'm going to be like Bill. I'm going to be a hard ass, and we're going to do two a days for eight consecutive days, and these guys are going to. It's, it's Patricia. But we, I'm going to have a mustache. Yeah, and it's going to be a differentiation. And, oh, it's going to be a killer mustache. Uh, I'm going to find. Or. We talked about Patricia back in the spring, though. And you knew as soon as he got, as soon as he started to run OTAs and stuff, and, and they're like, he's running them hard, and he's the, this is the new Lions football. This is that is destined to fail right now. Some I think another part of it too, whether it's Matt Patricia or let's let's take uh, let's take Josh for instance. Success by proximity, just because you work for the Patriots on offense as the quarterbacks coach, doesn't mean that you're the reason why Tom Brady is going to be one of the three greatest quarterbacks sure. of all time when his career's over. Sure. Right. Just because you happen to be Randy Moss's wide receiver coach doesn't mean that you should get. An offensive coordinator position, and I think they, I think with McDaniel's too, they looked at because remember after the big year they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl, and then the next year Brady hurt his knee the first week of the season, and Matt Castle comes in and has a nice year, and they go. I think they still missed the playoffs, but they went like ten and six, they, or eleven, 11 and, five, and five, eleven yeah. and five, yeah. and 
That's what got Josh McDaniels the Broncos job. And remember, we, me and Judd talked about this last hour. Remember, he tried to trade for Matt Castle. So he tried, he tried to trade for Matt Castle. He pissed off Jay, Jay yeah, Cutler he because he, he alienated Cutler. To... Well, just don't let him. Okay, just don't let him get personnel. He doesn't get to shop for the groceries, as Bill Parcells. Everyone was mad. I, I would. I would make the mistake of giving him. I guess it'd be a third chance now if you count the Indianapolis I debacle. I can't do this. <laughs> I wouldn't touch him. I can't do this. Oh man! If I if I had been the Lions when when the Patricia story surfaced about his past that he didn't bring up initially with them last year, I might have said to myself, or in May. I might have said to myself, "You know what, Matt? That's a this is all bad. Especially this is going nowhere good." In the middle of the Me Too movement, just yeah. you might want to just say, "Hey, just in case this happens to surface, it was twenty years ago." I just yeah. I just put it on the Plus, table. Plus, why right would now. you why would you hire at this point, knowing the failures? Why would you hire a Belichick guy when it's clear that the that a lot of the successful young coaches now are Sean McVay, who's very who doesn't yell at people. Who's a really good offensive mind? But I mean, th- those are the guys that if I was hiring a coach now, I would try and find not somebody who's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come in and guys are going to run gassers. But here's the thing about Sean McVay: he's 32 years old. Yep. I don't know if he can yell at people because all of the people that work for him, <laughs> all all of the assistant coaches, by and large, they're older. Yeah. A lot of the players in the locker room are around the same age or older, and it's not like he'd be coming in with this NFL player pedigree, and he can and he can treat them like his peers. So he doesn't have a choice. He has to come in with a different approach than authoritative and dictatorship, right? My way or the highway. I mean, there's probably a little bit of that because you are an NFL coach, but imagine if you were that young, or even if you were a little older, if you were 38 years old, and you're going, you're going to yell, you're going to dress down a 30, 31 year old. Or the only, or an offensive coordinator like Todd Haley, who's fifty five or something. I don't know. The, you, you have to come in differently. The the only thing I will tell you about that because I used to think the same exact thing when I saw Tomlin operate when Mike Tomlin was a kid when, when he got got here, and people are like, "Can he, is he old enough to be a coordinator?" And his control of a room and of people was remarkable. Like Mike Tomlin, when I first saw him, I'm like, "What?" Well, Dude, you're 33 or so. You know, I mean, how's this going to work? And then he addressed us, and it's like, whoa. Like, Childress never had this. Mike Tomlin would come to his press conferences prepared like a head coach, and he would own them. And players were like, we love him. So so I think it's an interesting dynamic that there are certain people out there who do have the ability, not based on age, to control things. It's a very tough thing to do, but if you've got it, it's impressive. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know. That coaching tree thing is just fascinating. If you're if if you're the Lions too, and you're you and you've already decided you're going to hire Matt Patricia before the Super Bowl, and then you watch Nick Foles and Nelson Aguilar and whoever else Alshon Jeffrey just torch his defense in the Super Bowl for 41 points. It gives you some pause. Are you having second <laughs> thoughts? And at that point, you've already got the deal in place, and you're probably not going to pull the plug and say, okay, but then last night happens, and you're like, oh, bleep. The, Actually, lion, the lion's going to lion, Manny. The lion's going to lion. It's so easy to overreact after week one. What we should do when Kyler gets in here for the 5 o'clock, let's just call it the 5 o'clock Mackey and Judd football hour, because that's pretty much what we're going to do every day at 5 mm-hmm. o'clock during the season. We should, we should put on paper... The things that we're almost 100% sure about after week one. <laughs> so we'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Mike Golick Jr. is going to be a weekly fixture on the show again, starting in about 15 minutes from now. We've got our pecking order for the week coming up next. Where do the Vikings fall after their 1-0 and start? 
Mackie and Judd, Manny Hill in the house, TCL Broadcast Studio. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd rolls on from the TCL Broadcast Studios. A quick look at your traffic, courtesy of It's Just Lunch. We've got an 11-minute delay, 35W south southbound traffic incident reported between Washington and 3rd Street. An incident recorded there at Fiora southbound, 35W traffic incident recorded. About an 11-minute delay between uh, Washington and 3rd Street. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Rise and shine, football fans. Dig out the meat and potatoes because it's time for Maggie and Judd's pigskin pecking order. Gentlemen, because we have a third member here with a pigskin pecking order. His name is Manny Hill. We're going to fly through this segment because we got Mike Golick Jr., Weekly contributor from last year. You can hear his show on 1500 ESPN from 3 a.m. until 5 a.m. Central Time. Oh, but then he's back on the morning show for a couple hours, right? He is. Yep. Okay. Yep. So let's start with Judd over to Manny, back to me, and uh, we'll fly through our pigskin packing order this right. week and see where the Vikings fall on our list of ranked NFL teams. Okay. Number 10. This is not overreacting to what happened to them in week one. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They tied Cleveland. It was ugly. I get it. I did actually not have them in my preseason rankings, but I put them 10. Number You n- rewarded the Steelers after that debacle. Uh, you know what? This is <laughs> What's this all about? This is all about also trying to forecast the future of where teams might be headed. Yeah. Number nine, Jacksonville Jaguars. I also didn't rank them in the preseason. I hate Bortles. The defense is really good. I have to admit that. Yeah. They will win in spite of that dog of a quarterback. Number eight. Standing pat for me, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is an all-world Hall of Fame quarterback, but there's a lot about that team that I don't know if I can trust yet, so I put them eight. Uh, Number seven, moving down one spot, the Atlanta Falcons. Number six, moving down three spots, but I'm not dropping them, and I actually still have faith in them. Their September record last three or four years under Sean Payton is atrocious, but the Saints at number six. Number five, the Kansas City Chiefs, who uh, beat the Chargers. Number four, moving up three spots from seven, the L.A. Rams, who looked fantastic, especially in the second half last night. Number three, I dropped them one spot, but it's not not their fault, our Vikings. Because number two, I moved up three spots, the Eagles, who won on opening night in an atrociously ugly game, but that's sort of the story of week one. And I left number one alone for now, the New England Patriots. So I go Patriots, Eagles, Vikings, Rams, Chiefs, and then Saints, Falcons, Packers, Jaguars, and Steelers. So Vikings top three on Judd's list. Manny, welcome to the pigskin packing order. How does it feel? Explore the space. Feels pretty good. I'm going to start out actually. But quickly. Uh, <laughs> Explore the space, but do it quick. Number 10, I'm actually on board with Judd with Pittsburgh. I would have had them higher, but that you tie the Browns in week one, like you're going to get dropped down. Uh, so Pittsburgh, number 10. I got Carolina, number nine. I think their defense was really impressive against Dallas. So I have them at number nine. New Orleans, I would have had them in the top two going into the first week, but uh, I'm dropping them down to eight because they were yeah. their defense was awful against Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Number seven, I've got the Green Bay Packers there. I think they could have been a little bit better against the Bears, but uh, I think they're still one of the ten best teams in the league. Jacksonville at number six. I was really impressed with Kansas City against the Chargers, so I have them at number five. I've got our beloved Vikings at number four. Number three, Sean McVay's L.A. Rams, man. They're good. They're going to be really good. They showed me something last night. And uh, I've got the defending champs, the Philadelphia Eagles, at number two. And then, of course, New England right now is number one just because it's the Patriots and it's Belichick. And they further look even better because of all of Belichick's assistance just being terrible. It just proves how good they are. So you get to fly through your top five again. So you've got uh, Belichick number one. Yeah, I've got Patriots one, Eagles two, Rams three, Vikings four, and Kansas City number five. All right. All right. Uh, I have these three teams dropping out from last week. The Cowboys are, uh, they were ninth on my list last week. They're out. I mean, score, kick a field goal. I dropped about six. Yeah, I'm down on them now. I guess they they did score kind of a garbage time touchdown. Well, they might have scored in the third quarter. I watched that uh, on a flight back from Phoenix, and I was about ready to gouge my eyes out and throw them up to the cockpit. The other game was the Chiefs and Chargers, by the way, just flipping back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Anyways, Chargers are out. They were six on my list last week. I'm punishing them. And the Texans slide out from number 10. They hung tough against New England. Number 10, you guys are going to hate this. I, I'm not guaranteeing that they stick, but I'm rewarding this team because of what they're building for the future and what they did in week one. The New York Jets are 10th on my list. Wow. That was so young franchise quarterback, for one. Except for the first throw. But he looked very poised. <laughs> yeah, that pick six wasn't much of a franchise. Once he got over that, yeah, it's like this isn't the Pac 12 anymore, dude. You don't throw a ball 50 yards across your body and float it. Um, but it's a decent defense. It's been a decent defense. They play a weak schedule this year. They've got weapons, and that's a really impressive road win. I don't care if you're playing a mediocre Lions team. You put up 48 points like that, I'm putting the Jets 10th right now. Okay. Steelers number nine, down from five. You almost lost to the Browns. Mm-hmm. Get Le'Veon Bell under contract. You and tied the going. Browns. Yes. You tie the Browns. That is just ruins everything. Yes. Uh, number eight, Jaguars. They are new to the top ten. I did not have them ranked preseason. Pretty impressive road win over the Giants. I'm same with you, yeah. We'll see. It's The quarterback isn't going to be good enough for them. But. The defense is really good, and that's about it. Number seven, a team that was Let's see, fourth or third on my list last week, the Saints. That's such an embarrassing loss at home to give up that many points to a backup quarterback, journeyman, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Are they back to having historically bad defense there in New Orleans? No, I think it's a blip. Okay. I think it's a blip and nothing more. Number six, Aaron Rodgers. Not the Packers. Just Aaron Aaron Rodgers Rodgers is number six on my list. (laughs) Up from eight last week and climbing. Not Deshaun Kaiser? No, he just missed the top ten. <laughs> just missed it. Uh, I'm with Manny on number five. I got the Chiefs. They're, they were uh, out of my top ten to start the season because I Pat wasn't Mahomes sure about Mahomes. Good, but, yeah, he's he's there's something about his demeanor even. When you see him on the sidelines and uh, like there was an interception in the fourth yep. quarter that kind of sealed it, and he's out there, right? I don't know. There's something about his personality. That- and guess what made a ton of sense? Sitting him for year one. Yeah. This is my thing. Don't be afraid to sit a quarterback. It can only help that guy. Uh, number four, the Rams, up from seven last week. They weathered the early storm, national TV, and they uh, systematically dismantled the Raiders in the second half of that game. That's a that's a pro win on the road by the Rams. Number three, actually my top three doesn't change. Patriots, number three. Vikings, number two. And Eagles, 
number one. I have the Vikings, two because I think San Francisco is going to be a really good team this year. And they held Jimmy Garoppolo to, I believe, just under 50% or right around 50% 15 completions. 15 out of 33, yeah. So under 50% completions, three interceptions. The offense was a little clunky for the Vikings, but overall, okay. They beat they mm-hmm. beat what's going to be a, a playoff they're caliber top, team. They're top three team. So Eagles, Vikings, Patriots. We all have the Vikings in our top four. I've got them two. Judd has them three, and Manny has them four. Mm-hmm. So we're all very high on the Vikings. Let's talk more football. We can we can ask Mike Golick Jr. about his Vikings thoughts and uh, things that he's sure about after week one as well in the NFL season. Matthew Collar will hang out with us as part of the Mackie and Judd football hour in the 5 o'clock, and we uh, we wrap the show. This is going to be our thing. We're going to wrap with Roycey at the end of each show. Literally, like he's going to wrap I, for 10 minutes. it <laughs> would be interesting. It'll be awesome. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd. By the way, Purple Podcast, a couple updates on that thing. It's five days a week during the season, and Sage Rosenfels is uh, a new co-host with Matthew Collar twice a week. So, Sage, you can find his breakdown of the Vikings' first game and Kirk Cousins yesterday with Matthew Collar, and then tomorrow, Courtney Cronin is going to be a weekly guest. I know you do the game recaps, Judd, on Sundays, and uh, Collar kind of mixes in guests on Thursdays. One of my favorite things, so I was telling you guys, I was watching football from the airport in Phoenix and then on the planes. And one of my favorite things, I'm at the airport just scrolling through. I saw the Browns were down 21 to 7 at one point, and then all of a sudden it's tied 21 21 in overtime. <laughs> and I'm going through and I'm following like Mike Goldick Jr.'s tweets. We got Goldick Jr. on the show again uh, on a regular basis, and he joins us now. But that was one of the more fun week one sweats in recent football history, just waiting for the Browns to try and win their first game in God knows how long, almost two full calendar years, Golik. I can't think of one single thing. You know, in this day and age, you mentioned watching it on Twitter. Like, there are so few things that bring us all together. And I feel like for that moment, once it became real, we were all Browns fans. Like, we wanted (laughs) to see the coolers open. I wanted Joe Thomas to be happy for the first time in a decade. And all of it came crashing to a halt in the most Browns way possible. (laughs) Like, only they could rip tie from the jaws of victory. Only the Browns. So so what is the deal with with the cooler then? Could you, like, so from that promotion where if the Browns won, you could go drink from these coolers, could you, like, take a beer or two for a tie? What did you get for a tie, Golik? I feel like the tie, you get to open the fridge and sort of get that cool sensation, like on a hot summer day when you go just stick your head in the freezer for a little bit. You get to see it. You might even get to touch one. But I don't think you can drink. Like I, I don't feel like I would be comfortable after a tie chugging a victory Bud Light. Those should be reserved for when they win a game, which I thought was going to be week three, but hell, the Jets just put 48 up last night. I don't know anything anymore. No, you know what it is? No, Here's what it is. The, you see the cooler full of beer and ice, and you reach into the bottom part to try and grab something, a bottle, and you pull out like a Smirnoff ice. And now you're forced to oh, drink it. Oh, that's got to be it. That, you, you ice yourself in that instance, and you have to drink it after the tie. You know what that is? People say a tie is kissing your sister. No. In 2018, a tie is icing yourself. (laughs) Junior, it's Manny. I got to ask you, have you ever seen a situation or been a part of a situation like what we saw with the Titans and Dolphins where you get all these weather delays and the game ends up being like seven and a half hours long because of lightning delays and all sorts of stuff? Can you remember a time where you were a part of something like that or seeing us something like that before? 
2010 or 11. It was the it was the first game of my junior or senior year at Notre Dame. We were playing South Florida at Notre Dame, and we ended up with a two and a half or three and a half hour lightning delay, something like that. It was one of the most miserable experiences of my life. We managed to somehow lose a game to a team we had no business losing to. We had to play part of the game, go back in the locker room. Everyone ends up, you know, end up, you end up changing out your whole pads. Uh, You've got to oh, eat a whole gross. other meal that's made up of like locker room snack food. So I'm eating like four or five Rice Krispie treats, a bunch of energy gummies. You feel like death. It's, it is one of the worst. And this one, I heard they had two lightning delays. And yeah. so in the middle one, they're eating barbecue or something yes. inside that was supposed to be their post-game snack. No part of this is good, especially, God forbid, if you had to eat barbecue while wearing a white jersey that's already going to make you look fat if you're a lineman. Yeah. Okay, okay. So let, wait. this is going to get gross, but I've got to know. If you are a football player and there's a delay and you go in the locker room and they're like, okay, as soon as, as soon as the delay is done, it's going to be a while. You're going to come back and play. But right now, here's some ribs. How do you process? I mean, if you go back out and play, wouldn't you just puke? I don't get this. Or, 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 or with white pants, wouldn't you do worse to yourself? Yeah, at least see, white pants is really the gauge here because a white shirt, listen, my shirt's going to be dirt, dirty by the end of the day regardless. Yes. But as someone who this morning, Joe Thomas was kind enough to send Golik and Wingo our show, Mission Barbecue, this morning, and I ate some at 9 a.m. So clearly I have no problem eating barbecue in situations where it's not necessarily warranted. I have a feeling of push came to shove because you've got to think how far removed you are from the pregame meal. And that's my thing is I never ate a lot in pregame meal because I was already predisposed to throwing up anyway. So you'd have been in a very dark, hungry place had you not gone for the rib. Yeah. Golik Jr. is with us. You can hear him early in the mornings. Uh, also, uh, the, the beginning part of Golik and Wingo, too, here on 1500 ESPN. So we were just kicking around some things that, and we're going to do this more on the 5 o'clock hour, but... Things that we're sure about after week one, because week one, it's so easy. There's a lot of bad football, and it's, it's easy to overreact. But one of the things that I said on yesterday's show, I'm sure that Mitch Trubisky is not going to be a franchise quarterback for the Bears. He reminds me of Christian Ponder. And disagree if you want, but are there things after week one that you can look at and say, I'm, I'm 95% or more sure about this? After week one, I am 95% or more sure that if it's not this year, at some point in the next three years, Miles Garrett is going to be the defensive player of the year in this league. I can almost write that in 10 right now. Watching him completely break down one of the better offensive lines in the league in the Steelers was truly remarkable, and he's a guy. And again, we talked to Joe. That was the, today, that, that's right? the hot take police. The hot take police in the background are pulling him over. They're going by right now. They heard they heard me leaking flames out here as I'm driving home. But just watching the combination of size and speed he has, I compared it the other day, it's Reggie White-esque. Like, there are a few things physically that are off limits for this guy. So I feel like lead-dogging with that is probably the place I'm most comfortable with. That is a defensive player in the year that if he stays healthy all 17 weeks this year, it could be this season if the Browns win, you know, six, seven, eight games along with it. So, Junior, at what point during the Bears-Packers game did it click to you that, oh, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is going to do this again? Because at first, I mean, the game, the, the Bears were dominant in the first half, and even at the start of the second half, it was still kind of the Bears were still kind of in control. At what point of that game did you watch and say, yep, the, the, the Bears got no shot here. Aaron Rodgers is going to do something amazing again. The minute he walked back out on the field, like it's, it's seeing him, 
seeing him go on the card at halftime and the way that game was positioned because the Bears were up so big. I mean, the, the Packers are down 20 points at one point. I said I was not comfortable with Aaron Rodgers going back into the game if I was any decision maker on the Packers. But the minute you saw that, you knew it was him forcing his way back onto the field, which means he had something ready for him. Like Aaron Rodgers yeah. wasn't going back out there to do anything less. And to just see after the game, when he's getting ready to get interviewed, and he's even got that bleep-eating grin on his face, yeah. like with all of his accomplishments, even he knows what he just did was going to impress the hell out of all of us. You knew right away this has just become what we were used to with this guy, and that's why the thought of him being injured potentially again for the season was so devastating because we see what a different league it is without him. Going back to the debacle in Detroit last night, uh, Golik, tell me this. What is your professional opinion on why Belichick coaching tree guys are so unsuccessful? I mean, Patricia, it's one game, I get that. But if you go back through that coaching tree, it's remarkable. I don't think there's been one of those guys who has gone on to do great things. What's your theory on why so many guys who are around a genius of a coach can't translate that success in any way? Well, I think, number one, it's probably the burden of expectation, right? Like, everyone thinks they're getting, whether it's a Saban assistant, a Popovich assistant, they believe that they're getting something cut from the same cloth as one of the all-time greats. And so we automatically look at it and say, all right, well, you should be able to pop this off when finding a head coach is like hitting on a first-round pick. It's not an exact science, and so much of it is about the individual makeup that we don't know anything about. That's the tough part with Patriots, players, assistances, because of the culture around that building, you never get a sense for what the individual is like more often than not, with basically the exception of Gronk, because he's just such a big, lovable oaf. You can't put that personality away. But with everyone else, coaches included, they all fall under the success umbrella, and coaching so much of it certainly is about what you bring from an X's and O's standpoint. And as someone who was coached by Charlie Weiss, who was a Patriot great there as a coordinator and a part of a couple of Tom Super Bowl victories, you bask in that glow, but when you're out on your own, you're forced to rely on the things as an individual that make you unique. And with Coach Weiss, unfortunately, that didn't pair as well with being a head coach. And I feel like with a lot of these guys, and maybe Josh McDaniel sort of had this realization that unless I'm really going to a place where I'm inheriting a situation that I can control on the way in, more often than not, it's going to expose you for maybe being a little bit deficient in some of the areas that people take for granted. Junior, what are your Vikings thoughts for this season? Vikings thought, I mean, week one, I understand it ended up being a little closer score-wise than I think people might have expected, but that 49ers team, everyone knows, is on the come-up, and the Vikings did things in all the ways that we've come to expect from them. I was just happy to see how capable Kirk Cousins was already at feeding all of the weapons that the Vikings have. You have a lot of mouths, fortunately, to feed in that offense in the backfield where you've got Cook back finally, certainly Thielen, Diggs, Kyle outside. You've got so many guys to take care of and he managed to, and he managed to do it well. And now as this offensive line hopefully gets healthier and gets shored up a bit, I think that's only going to become easier, and the defense is one of the surest commodities in sports. I mean, watching Harrison Smith put that game on ice, lather, rinse, repeat. We're all used to that at this point. I had a front-row seat to that for four years at school. That's just the DNA of that side of the ball. And so when you've got that to rely on, and now you've got a quarterback who already in week one looks comfortable against a defense that's also growing for the 49ers, I really think this team picked up right where expected to pick up with a quarterback that you just pay $84 million guaranteed. Is there a more anonymously great Hall of Fame caliber player in the league right now than Harrison Smith? I mean, it's like he wasn't even an all-pro last year, which is absurd because he's the best 
Or wasn't he was not a pro bowler? Maybe that's what it was. He wasn't a pro bowler, but then I think he got he was in as an pro. alternate. Yeah, yeah. But like, how does how does how do how is he not a household name at this point? It's well, it's it's Harrison's personality. Like I love Harrison. Harrison Smith is truly one of my favorite people. He was a neighbor of mine in college and spent a fair amount of time with us. And he's just the strangest dude ever. Would rather be left well enough alone and play Fortnite in his spare time. I saw him during the Super Bowl at me at uh, at Radio Row, and he wanted no part of being there. All he kept talking about was going home. That's just who he is. But the biggest misconception too that I hate because he gets the white safety label. He gets the Jim Rad, the you know the guy, nose for the ball guy. Harrison. Smith is one of the craziest athletes I've ever been around. He he blows it out of the water in every physical category that you possibly can. So that misnomer needs to go to bed finally. And that's just for people that haven't noticed him or been around him long enough. Yeah. Great stuff, Junior. Thanks, Junior. We'll talk again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. See ya. Mike Oleg Jr. <laughs> He's great. You can uh, you can find him early in the mornings. His own show, 3 to 5 a.m. on 1500 ESPN. And then he also plays a large role on the Golig Wingo show, too, with his dad and Trey Wingo. So uh, let, let's come back here. Matthew Collar is going to join in about 15 minutes. But we just got a great email from someone comparing a local coach that you would recognize with someone we were talking about earlier this hour, Mackie and Judd, Manny, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500. ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Back here in the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd rolls on. Quick look at your traffic. Uh, we've got about an 11-minute delay eastbound 94 between Dale and Marion Street. That is due to a crash on the right side. So, be on the lookout for that if you're heading towards St. Paul, or if you're in St. Paul, that's actually in St. Paul. Uh, 94 eastbound between Dale Street and Marion, 11-minute delay due to a wreck on the right side. Gentlemen, football. Thank you, Manny. That's right. The Mackie and Judd unofficial football hour begins in about 10 minutes. We've done a lot of football so far because it is football season. But Matthew Collar is going to come hang out with us. He's going to be a regular uh, for the final hour of our show, we wrap with Roycey to end the show. This is our second day in this time slot, and uh, a lot of you have been emailing us disappointed that you haven't been able to listen to the ride with Roycey. We're going to give you at least some Patrick Roycey at 545 every day to wrap the show. I think we've all worked with Patrick. And, uh, I'm, and I'm here, too. I haven't moved from this time slot at no, all. No, you stayed, you stayed put, <laughs> I've stayed Manny. put, yes. Manny's a, a constant <laughs> in this time slot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, email here from Dan. Hey, guys, we talked about John Gruden, or at least you guys did earlier in the show. What do you guys think of this comparison? Tom Thibodeau and John Gruden both came back to the league after some time off, although Gruden had 10 years off. Tom Thibodeau had just a year. A year, year off. Yeah. yeah. Both are clearly the final decision makers in their organization. Both yell and rant about their best players. Both seem to fail to adapt to the evolution of their respective games. Both can't relate to younger generations, <laughs> and both were highly praised by local fan bases after their hiring, and got a bunch of money. I'll add another one. Both got a bunch of money to oh yeah to take their position. Gruden got a ten year contract. Well, that's what makes the term the term of the contract with Gruden just boggles your mind. Like there's no out for what? What if you can't do it? It's been a while. Like I think Jimbo Fisher got ten years from A and M, right? Yeah, that sounds right. But that's college. Right. Like, you give an NFL coach a 10-year contract? 
I have. Th- I guess I have three John Gruden questions off last night. Number one, don't even give players uh, ten year contracts anymore. Right. Well, you can't. Some oh. leagues don't even let you. Right. Right. Like the National Hockey League because of my guys, Breezy and Zuder, <laughs> and the NBA too. What? A. Why would you commit to ten years to anyone when when you look and see that there's only about five or six coaches in the NFL right now that have been with their team for ten years? Number two, after watching the Raiders last night, why would you trade Khalil Mack for God's sakes? And then number three, why is John Gruden so red? You guys see some of the stuff? Yes. They they had these little interviews with him between quarters, and they did the pregame sit-down with him. And it's like, is he watching film in a UV tanning room or something? Like, what is... Did he is just he get, okay? Did, did he get burned that bad at training camp? That was know. my question. Like, I, like I was know. he not wearing sunscreen and just a baseball cap, and that didn't really uh, the only, stop the, the Rays? The only difference is he kind of looks like... Tom Coughlin in that NFC Championship game. The only difference is Coughlin's like face was like his skin was like peeling off because it was so cold. Oh, but it was his, equally his, as red. His face was never the same. If you if you look at even <laughs> Tom Coughlin now when they show him, his cheeks are still a little bit rosy from that NFC Championship game. <laughs> but you know Bad what? For the guy. It was all about football right there. That's all it was about. That was I don't one care of the footballiest my, things you'll ever my see. Face can, my face can fall off during the course of this NFC Championship game, and I don't care because I'm coaching football. <laughs> That's what Tom Coughlin was saying. I don't hate this comparison by email or Dan, though. The John Gruden, Tom Thibodeau, where you're... It's a little bit different because with Gruden, you're tapping into what was once this red-hot coach from 15 years ago and this this young hotshot, right? And Tom Thibodeau was never the young hotshot. He's the grinder who worked as a basically a defensive coordinator for the Celtics for all those years right. and was an assistant in New York, et cetera, and with the Wolves. So that's that's the only difference. But in terms of all the other things on the list, you know, bashing heads with your best player and if Carl Anthony Towns is that on the Wolves, um, I don't hate the comparison. It kind of makes you sick to your stomach yeah. if you're a Wolves fan. Did we see two or a Raiders fan? Did we see two teams during the course of those games last night that we thought had taken steps, but have gone back to their their roots. Oakland and Detroit. It's like the Lions made some progress here. There's no question that they did. And Oakland, I thought, had. But now it's sort of like they're going back to who they, they were five, ten years back. Oakland's taken ten penalties in one half. They always Detroit, lead the league in penalties, don't they? <laughs> yeah, no, but, yes. but it's like but it's like both, oh, both franchises said, hold on a second. We're the Raiders. Well, we Matthew have to do Stafford, stupid things. Matthew Stafford was awful last night. Yeah, like, four, what, Matt four Castle picks. played. They, yeah, they threw Castle. five total but, picks. Which, well, that's where Matt way, Castle wound up, huh? Yeah. yeah. By yeah. the way, how does he still end up on rosters? Castle? Matt Castle. <laughs> Dude, it's, like, if you're a catcher, if you're if you're a catcher, Matt Castle's a decent like, golfer, you can play a left-handed 50. reliever. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt Castle is like... He's like Chris Jimenez almost. Like he's just it doesn't matter if he hits 150, it's just like yeah, you got to he's he's going to have a roster spot. But is it fair to say so with Chris Jimenez, is it fair to say that Chris Jimenez is one of the 100 best catchers in the world? In the world. Chris Jimenez is one of the, if when you count for actually receiving the ball and working with pitchers, he's not a great hitter anymore. Matt Castle is Matt Castle one of the 100 best quarterbacks in the world right now? Even if you include college seniors and college juniors, I think I would in I the would world. Call, he I would, is. I would call him one of the the 100 safest QBs in the world. Well, like who would? Who, we're not polarizing. Where else are you getting nothing. quarterbacks from? You're like, are you? Well, don't, yeah. is Mitch Leidner better than Matt Castle? <laughs> don't no. you? Don't you guys think that there's there's certain groupings? And I think Detroit realizes that they aren't a championship caliber club. So if they have Matt Castle, it's fine. 
It's why it's why the Deshaun Kaiser thing throws me for a loop. Because if you're Green Bay, right. go get a backup who can actually play. I think Detroit's just like Matt Castle. Sure, Matt Castle. They it's watched, a fantasy football draft. I'll just they, take Matt Castle. They watched. They watched some film from. Maybe they didn't realize that. Oh, the film you're watching is from 2008. Yeah, <laughs> he said. With Josh McDaniel was his coordinator. Yeah. I'm just saying it's it. It is funny how we can go up and down some of these specialty positions and be like, why, why is Drew Butera still in the... Well, he's one of the 100 best at his craft in the world, probably. <laughs> and if you're one of the 100 best at your craft in the world, you're going to make millions of dollars and... But is Deshaun Kaiser one of the 100 best quarterbacks in the world? Or Brett Hundley? The and answer, they're, back, they're backing up people right now. The scary answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. And it just shows you how... That's what if you wonder like why do quarterbacks can, make thirty three million because there's literally only fifteen to twenty that can play at a level that you're comfortable. Can with. we begin yeah. to search the world for more quarterbacks then? Good luck. Can we go on an expedition <laughs> to Russia? Oh God! Hey, can you throw a football? I throw football. Okay, good enough for me. You're better than Matt Castle. Like, you have heritage. I throw football good. You should be able to have a better Russian accent. You have heritage. I've heritage from there, yeah. but I can make fun of them because I do. Without yeah, without, without getting in trouble, tapping your phone. Vodka, vodka, and football. Oh, my God. Uh, Collar's going to come in here next. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. We'll talk some more Vikings. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN.